بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد کریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائی از دا ٹوینٹی فورتھ آف ڈسمبر ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ an exalted life of the blessed companion Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu and I spent a few sessions mentioning some of his noble students so as mentioned earlier Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu had eventually written down all the hadith he had memorized something he had made Abdullah ibn Amr witness radiyallahu Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Amr radiyallahu said the topic of a hadith came up with Abu Huraira radiyallahu he thereupon took me by my hand to his dwelling he then showed me many book of a hadith and said he had them with him duly written this is in Fattal Bari 1-148 so like I mentioned he was a master memorizer due to the Dua of the Prophet and the miracle which entailed Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam but later on he decided to write down like we'd say a backup he wrote all the hadith down now what's very interesting he took Abdullah ibn Amr now why is it interesting he took him because in Bukhari Sharif Abdul, uh, Abu Huraira radiyallahu said he narrates the most hadith he testified that Abdullah ibn Amr relates the most hadith because he writes them down I don't mm-hmm. But now he takes that same Sahaba back to his dwelling and he goes, look, I've written down all of the hadith. So in a report, in Hakim in his Mustadrak 3-584, Hafiz ibn Abdul Bar in his Jami Bayan al-Ilm al-Fatt al-Bari, Hassan ibn Amr, another student, Rahmatullah he said, I narrated a hadith to Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu And he initially rejected it. I thereupon said, I have heard this hadith from you. He responded, if you have indeed heard this hadith from me, then I would surely have written it down. He then held my hand and took me to his chamber. He then showed me his library of books that comprised of his hadith from Rasulullah. He searched And he found that very hadith in his book. After this, Abu Huraira said to me, Did I not inform you that if I had narrated any hadith to you, I must have written it down. Subhanallah. So here, one of his students, Hassan ibn Amr, look how strange, he narrates a hadith, maybe he's narrating back to his teacher. And the teacher goes, I didn't narrate that hadith to you. So obviously he's thinking, but you... Because you, you're the one who told me. Because if I have told you, it's going to be written down. Then he takes him by the hand. And indeed it was written. So the question was, did Abu Huraira forget? So the scholar said no. He just wanted to take the student with him. To indicate to him that everything I have narrated, I have written it down. So what does this mean? This proves that Sayyidina Abu Huraira did not document just a few of the blessed hadith. 
but in fact all the ahadith which he had heard from our beloved Messenger his students also followed suit one of his students Bashir ibn Nuhayk he said I wrote down whatever hadith I heard from Abu Huraira when I decided to leave I read all the hadith he narrated to me by his side and I asked are all these ahadith you narrated to me? Abu Huraira radiyallahu said, Indeed. <laughs> this is in Darimi in his Sunan, Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al Musannaf, Tahawi 2 385, relates similar. So not only did he narrate and write down all the hadith, he encouraged his students. So one of his students, Bashir ibn Nuhayk, he wrote every hadith he heard from him. So he's written down a lot of the hadith, and then before he leaves him, respectfully, he wants to go through all the hadith with him. When he narrates all the hadith to Abu Huraira, he goes, have you narrated all these hadith to me? He goes, yes. And then he took, he took his leave. So now these reports are very important. Why? Because what does it clearly prove? It clearly proves the hadith were recorded. Some ignorant Muslims, they think they weren't interested in the hadith in the early days. They were concentrating more on the Quran. The hadith, they say, were compiled hundreds of years after Rasulullah So the response to that is, you're, mis- you're uninformed or you're misinformed. And then he goes, where's the proof? He goes, Abu Huraira, a direct companion of the Prophet, he wrote down all the hadith. Then they will ask, where is this collection then? There should be a compilation of Abu Huraira's hadith. The response is, all of these hadith have merged into the famous collections. None of the hadith have been lost. So the Sahaba were very, very careful, just like with the Quran, to preserve the hadith of the Prophet. Another of his illustrious students, Humayd ibn Malik ibn Khutim, he relates, Rahmatullah. I was once sitting with Sayyidina Abu Huraira on some land he owned at Al Atiq. When some people from Al Madina came to him on animals and dismounted. So picture this. Abu Huraira, he's got a piece of land in Al-Aqiq. Al-Aqiq is uh, where the maqam of Zul Halifa is. When you go to do uh, Umrah, you go to Al-Madina first. The Mika to put your ihram on is in Zul Halifa. Abu Huraira had some land there, Al-Aqiq. And the student was with him, Humayr ibn Malik ibn Khutim. So there was only two of them. But suddenly, horse riders came and they dismounted. And Abu Huraira said to me, Go to my mother and inform her, Your son sends you greetings of us salam and he requests you to give us something to eat. So what is he realizes these are people who've come to learn, acquire knowledge. So he tells his close student, Go to my mother. And respectfully ask her, is there anything to eat? Mm-hmm. Upon arrival and upon requesting, Shira put three barley loaves, some olive oil and salt on a platter. <laughs> and I put it on my head and carried it to them. So what did his mother give? She gave three loaves of bread, olive oil and some salt. And it was on a kind of a platter. And Khothem, he carries it back to Abu When I placed it before them, Sayyidina Abu Huraira said, Allahu Akbar, 
Walhamdulillah, who has given our fill of this bread, whose only food used, used to be the two black ones, dates and water. The other people before this did not get this food. So look how beautiful this is. They got very simple food, bread, olive oil and some salt. So when they partake or they're about to partake, Abu Huraira, what does he say? Allahu Akbar, Alhamdulillah. He goes, look at the blessings we've been given when we used to survive on dates and water. Because Allah Ta'ala has now blessed us. So why is that strange to us? <laughs> if your horse gives you bread, olive oil and salt, we, astaghfirullah, you think, you know, is he insulting us? What's this? But this is, again, their mindset, they were in like state of gratitude. Because other people before this did not get this food, meaning the Sahaba. When the guest left, he turned to me and said, O son of my brother, Ahsin ila ghanamik, show excellence to your sheep. anha, wipe the dust and mucus of the sheep. Make their evening pasture pure. Offer salat near them. For in min dawabil jannah. For indeed they are amongst the animals of paradise. So stop in the report. So the guests have left. He's now left with his intimate student, Humayd ibn Malik. And look what he's telling his immediate student. He goes, show excellence to sheep, meaning he was a shepherd. He goes, look after them. Wipe the dust and mucus of them. He goes, you know, keep them clean. Make their food in the evening pure. Give them good food. Offer salat near them. That's, that's interesting. Offer salat near them. Then he says, uh, For indeed they are amongst the animals of paradise. Then he said, By him who holds my soul in his hand, the time has almost come upon people when it will be better for someone to have a flock of sheep than to rather be in the house of Marwan, mm-hmm. i.e. the governor of Al-Madina. This is recorded in Bukhari's Al-Dabal Mufrad, number 572, and Shaykh al-Bani stated Sahih in his checking. So look how beautiful. He's honored the guests. He's given them knowledge. The guests have departed. He's now honoring his intimate student, saying, look after God's honorable creatures, pray near them, they're animals of paradise. But then he comes out with the atom bomb. He then says to him, by him who holds my soul in his hand, the time has almost arrived when it would be better for a person to have a flock of sheep rather than to be in the house of Marwan. (laughs) Now what did he mean by that? What he meant by that was, you are so lucky. You've got sheep. That's all you need. Keep away from the house of Marwan. He knew something was going to happen. And if you know your history, you know exactly what he was referring to. He was protecting his students. Indeed, as shown, this majestic man would make his students feel at ease. He would accommodate as best he could to their various circumstances. Just to add this, why did he trouble his mother? 
Like I mentioned many sessions earlier, she was blind. So a person goes, he's told the student, go to my mother, give her my salam, and he requests that you give something to eat. Wouldn't it have been more appropriate for him to go himself and get the food stuff? So the scholars point out that he wanted his mother to share the virtue. Mm-hmm. When it comes to good deeds, you share the virtue. So he thought, these are people coming to acquire sacred knowledge. It's an honor to serve them. So if I do everything myself, there's nothing for my mother. So even though his mother was aged and blind, and notice she wasn't upset in the least. She was very happy. He provided three barley loaves, some olive oil and some salt. And also conversely, the mother does this to the children sometimes. There's a report. And the report mentions that one of the sons, he came to give something to his mother and the mother was praying. So the mother realizes that the son has come to give something to her. But the mother increases her salat, makes it longer. So imagine, instead of shortening it, she's making it longer. And then obviously, she eventually finishes. The son gives whatever he gives to his mother and he leaves. And the mother then makes the dua. She goes, oh my Lord, I've done this to increase the reward for my son. I wanted him to serve me longer. He goes, please don't deprive him. So what's so beautiful? If you know your deed, you help your family. You don't destroy them. You know, how many times do you just curse your children? I'm going to help you. You're a big shaitan, right? Good, mashallah, fantastic, right? And then what happens? He becomes a big shaitan. Your dua was coincided in a time when duas get answered. And then he goes, why has he become the biggest drug dealer in Dara? Because you made dua for him. Right? So the parents have to be very careful. And they should increase. In other words, how can I make this son of mine get more virtues? And also, there's another thing which the scholars point out, the Hanafi scholars, they state that if you have children and one of them is more disobedient than the others, he goes, then do not order that child to do anything. Request it. So for instance, you got let's say you got two sons. One's an oliya, one's a shaitan. <laughs> so the oliya you can order, no problem, he's gonna listen to you anyway. He goes, son, get the shopping. Son, pay the bills. But when it comes to the one who's not so pious, the father and mother should not say, get the shopping, because he might refuse. So what you say then is, the shopping needs to be done. The bills need to be paid. And you're prompting him. And if he says, even if he says, I'm busy, you didn't tell him. You haven't destroyed him. And if he goes, I'll get the shopping. So notice is ilm. And look how beautifully you take these examples from the salaf. So again, you know, both ways, the son is giving honor to the mother here with Abu Huraira and also the opposite. So again, get into these habits. But if you go all pious children, then there's no worries. So now Abu Huraira, he'd make his students feel very comfortable. So here's an example. In Al-Bidayah 8-941, Al-Isab, page 765 of the New English Translation, Ibn Abidunya in his book of jokes. Hafiz Ibn Hajar Asqalani, rahmatullahi he relates. A man came to Sayyidina Abu Huraira and said, Indeed, I woke up this morning and I was fasting. 
Then I went to my father. He had bread and meat. Thus I ate until I was full. I forgot I was fasting. So Abu Huraira responded, No need to worry. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has fed you. The man remained. After a short while he said, Then I went to so-and-so. And he had a camel. Thus I milked it. I drank its milk until my thirst was quenched. Abu Huraira said, No need to worry. Allah has given you to drink. The man didn't move. He thereupon said, When I awoke, I asked for some water and I drank it. Abu Huraira responded, O son of my brother, it appears you are not accustomed to fasting. <laughs> the man thereupon said, I haven't finished. <laughs> I then had sexual relations with my wife, forgetting I was fasting. Abu Huraira then said with a smile, Young man, your fast is still not broken. <laughs> so, what's going on? <laughs> so if somebody says to you, is this act, this man, is this just a, like a parable? No, it actually happened. So what did this man do? He was fasting. Imagine, in that one day he did all this. First, he saw his father having a nice you know, meal and that. He helped himself. He goes, look, he goes, no, it's mashallah, Allah Ta'ala gave you to you. Then he goes, right. Same day, he sees like a, a camel with you know heavy odors. So he thinks I could do with a drink, right? So he melts the she camel. Drinks until he's completely quenched. He goes, what about now? He goes, Allah Ta'ala gave you to drink. Then he said, add a little siesta. <laughs> it was interesting when you eat and drink, you get a bit. So he goes, a little siesta. Then when I woke up, he goes, I felt a bit parched. So he goes, add some water. <laughs> and he goes, it looks like you're not used to fasting, so. <laughs> and then he goes, I'm finished. You think, you haven't finished. What else did you do? And then he crowned it off with, you know, intimacy with his wife. Abu Huraira goes, young man, your fast is still not broken. So now, apart from the humor, what does that tell you about Abu Huraira? Look how comfortable he was to be with. The people, imagine that man could have gone to Umar. People gave him some rainbow <laughs> Why did he go to Abu Because people like those who are soft. And he didn't even approach him. All he said, if you, if you break it down, it looks like you're not used to fasting. <laughs> Right? But I thought, subhanAllah. Um, the amazing thing is, he's not broken his fast. So imagine, Maghrib comes to you, you've had a good cracking meal, you've had a quenching thirst, and a little sip, you know, intimacy, and now you, but this is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also, Abu Huraira was of course referring to a very famous hadith, where the Prophet said, if you forget and you eat or drink, Allah Ta'ala has given you to eat and drink. Now what's beautiful about that's in Sayyid Bukhari, What's beautiful about that report is that's a sign that your fast has been accepted. That's a sign that Allah Ta'ala is pleased with you. Why? Because who is giving you to eat and drink? So it's not a bad thing. You should get envious. You think, oh, this man, oh, subhanAllah, how close was he to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And you're there rumbling all day thinking, oh. right? You know, and there you go, you know, so this is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and also you'll notice that when when you look at your own history, whenever you eat and drink, 
more often than not, you seem to be in some sort of state of worship. You notice that. So for instance, I mentioned one of my own. It was month of Ramadan, many years ago. Father, father was in hospital. Alhamdulillah. And then we went to see him. I went with my mom. And then there's a very nice Lucasade bottle there. <laughs> and this is a summer fast. You know, with that wrap around it. So, obviously, in hospital, you just lose your bearings. All I could look, I just thought, right, nice, drink that. And I completely forgot. It's Ramadan. And then even my dad, Rahmatullah, goes, you want a drink? I goes, okay, dad. Like, Jannat, <laughs> drank it. And then afterwards, you know, I think I had a couple of glasses. And then when I was walking bike halfway, I went, you know, like, like take shock. Hang on a minute, I'm fasting. And I didn't know at the time. I thought, oh, my God. What's happened? But then, later on, because don't worry, because Allah Ta'ala gave me truth. So look how interesting. What was I doing? I was in a state of worship. So Allah Ta'ala gives in those times, you know, it's very, I think about it in Ramadan, you, you know, if you're in a state of sin, what sort of a fast is that? Do you think Allah Ta'ala is going to give you something to eat and drink when you're sinning? Right? So again, no, these are signs and look at the mercy. Technically, you brought your fast. If you look by the letter of the law, but Allah Ta'ala goes, no, I've given them to eat and drink, let them continue. No matter how many times. And I don't think that you can beat this guy. He just, he just what's left. Eat, drink, intimacy, you know. Only thing missing is miswak. MashaAllah. Abu Abdullah Al-Qarraz, was also a student of Sayyidina Abu Huraira, radiyallahu. Referred to Ahmad in his Musnad, number 7755, 8089. 8,373, 8,687 with a sahih general transmission. I'm only mentioning the names of blessings. So another student was Abu Abdullah Al-Qarraz. Another of his students was Abdullah ibn Shakik. He related. I stayed in Al-Madina with Sayyidina Abu Huraira for one year. SubhanAllah. I stayed in Al-Madina with Sayyidina Abu Huraira for one year. This is an Ahmed in his Musnad, number 8301 with a Sayyid transmission. So what image are we getting? They had plans, the students. They thought, right, I'm going to take a year out. I'm going to find a righteous companion and I'm going to stick with him for the year. This is one of them. So what's his name? Abdullah ibn Shakik. So imagine, he just stayed in Al-Madina, maybe Ashab al-Suf. They arranged with him there to learn his deeds. So it's not a big thing when people say, oh, I'm taking time out to learn. You know, we think it's a big thing now. Oh, you took some holidays out. Oof, the standards are dropped. Right? The way you get this report, it's like it's normal thing. Well, don't people do that? Spend a year <coughs> with a chair or the bottom. And just to add this, to finish. Abu Huraira, like I've mentioned, he was very comfortable to be around. He was very jovial. He was very humorous. But, subhanallah, he had an incredible presence about him. People would start shaking in his presence. Because another one of his students, Abdullah ibn Rafi, he once asked, he goes, Dear teacher, how did you get your kunyat, Abu Huraira? So if I stop there, what image have you got? This is, and this is the image I got. Okay, mashallah, it's a student that we're sitting here. And you ask your teacher, uh, Sheikh, how did you get that name? If you stop there, the, the report continues. Abu Huraira looked at Abdullah ibn Rafi and he said, 
Ama taflaku minni. Are you afraid of me? <laughs> Why did he ask that? Because he's shaking. <laughs> so when he asked him that innocent question, he goes, dear teacher, how did you get your kunyata? He's asking, like, you know, like you're, you're basically, you know, in the presence of greatness. And you're, 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 your teeth are clattering. So Abu Huraira looks at him. He goes, Ama tafraku minni. Are you afraid of me? I responded, Bala wallahi inni li'ahabuk. Certainly, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, verily I indeed tremble in your presence. Subhanallah. In other words, he goes, I can't help myself, teacher. He goes, he goes I, I'm realizing, you know, who you are. So Abu Huraira then said to him, Allah, I used to graze the sheep goats of my family and I had a small cut. I would look after the cut and put it up on a tree at night. Then when it was day, I would emerge and she with me and I would play with her during the day. Thus the people gave me the kunyat Abu Huraira, father of the kitten. Because I hope this answers your question. This is in Tirmidhi, number 3,866, Hassan Gharib. So look how beautiful. He goes, why were you called Abu Huraira? But he found it so difficult to ask that question. So that's something we will never have. So we're going through the blessed life of Abu Huraira. So obviously, inshallah, our love for him increases, our knowledge for him increases. But we shake it. That's something that you can only get in their presence. So why was he shaking? Because they understood who this person was. And obviously you can't compare, but to a much lesser extent, when people go in front of people that they are like their idols, not in the sense of worship, but they're like their heroes. You know, it's, they, they, they start palpitating, you know, they can't, sometimes their breathing goes out. And even some of them, you know, they start fainting. Why? Because they understand who this person is. But that's just the guy with the sh- catch on playing football. That's just the guy who's boxing somebody's brains out. We're not a catch on. Oh, catch you all. Yes, I find interesting. Right? Everybody catch you're falling for. What about the true people? Right? Abdullah Ibn Shakiq, he was shaking. And Abu Huraira put him at ease. He goes, Why are you shaking? Are you afraid? He goes, What are you afraid of? Another example of this. Saeed ibn al Masayyid. So who's he? The son in she wasn't even here, but mashallah. Sa'id ibn al-Masayyib was the son-in-law of Abu Huraira. He didn't, he was not scared of anybody. So let me just mention this. Hajjaj bin Yusuf was praying, big tired. He wasn't praying properly. Maybe offering his salat too quick. So Sa'id, rahmatullahi, he gets some pebbles, starts flicking it on him. So he's hitting him and his salat. And then after salat, Hajjaj comes puffing and puffing towards him. He says, what are you doing? He goes, didn't your dad teach you how to pray? And he goes, what's wrong with my prayer? And then he told him, he goes, look, you're rushing. He goes, you know, pray properly. Then Hajjaj went huffing and puffing off. So people approached Sayyid ibn al-Masayyib, rahmatullahi. He goes, do you know who that was? He goes, who was it? He goes, Hajjaj. He goes, you've signed a death warrant. He goes, he doesn't know how to pray. Then what happened? Some time passed, I don't know, months, weeks, years. Hajjaj has now become the governor of Medina. So the people went, oh my God, Sayyid. He's not, he never forgets. So what happened? He comes first day, goes to Masjid al-Nabi. He goes, 
where's Saeed? So the people thought, right? So Saeed comes, Saeed ibn al-Masayyib rahmatullahi, and Hajjaj goes, thank you very much, I've collected my prayer. So people are looking, thinking, what on earth has just happened? And then the people were shocked. And then Saeed goes, why do you find it shocking? He goes, he's got understanding. He goes, you should thank the one who corrects you. So Saeed, he didn't fear anybody, even Hajjaj. Now, think about this. Saeed ibn al-Masayyib, this is in Al-Bidayah Hayat al-Sahab. <laughs> he's next to Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. Radiyallahu. And he's shaking. Subhanallah. Doing even monkeys about Hajjaj. Sa'ad, right? So Sa'ad goes, Why are you shaking, Sayyid? Are you shaking because of me? And Sa'ad, uh, Sa'id, he said, Yes. Because, you know, like you say, I'm in the presence of greatness. He goes, Why are you shaking? He goes, Because I have heard that your du'as are always answered. Meaning, you might make a dua in your heart against me. Because, uh, hey. So Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas said to Sa'id ibn Musayyib, because I will never make dua against you. Because don't worry. So look how beautiful. The people who were the students of the Sahaba, they know how great they were. Think of Abdullah ibn Shakik shaking in Abu Hurairah's presence. Sa'id ibn Musayyib shaking in the presence of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. Now, people slandering Sahaba. He didn't know, he didn't know. He's Dajjeh. He was alright, then he became Dajjeh. Did he? What happened to you? <laughs> Astaghfirullah. So note again, you know, these are very important things you should reflect upon. And just to add about Sayyid ibn al-Masayh, because he's Abu Huraira's son-in-law. When there was the fitna, when Yazid sent an army to deal with the rebellion, the holy city of Medina was ransacked. There was nobody in Masjid al-Nabi. Because the gods... They were killing people, except Sayyid ibn al-Masayyid. So the guards of Yazid came in. They go, who's this? Oh, they go, oh, he's that old madman. And they left him. And Sayyid was the only person to pray in Masjid al-Nabi in those days. And then he said, I didn't, I couldn't tell when, when the time of Salat was arriving. I couldn't leave the Masjid. He goes, Subhanallah. At the time of the Salat, I heard the azan coming from Rasulullah's grave. The time of Salat, I heard the azan coming from Rasulullah's grave. So I knew it was time for Salat. This is a Sayyid Hadith in Al-Bidayah. So look at the status of Sayyid Ibn al-Masayyib. So that man is shaking in front of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. So note, this is, these are the companions of the Prophet And, to conclude, may Allah the Almighty have mercy upon each and every one of these noble souls, Rahimahumullah, and forgive us all for their honorable sake. Amen. So I had to spend a few sessions on the students of Abu Hurairah. Why? Because he's the most prolific narrator. But I've just touched, you know, briefed a little bit about them. But each of these were giants in their own right. But of course, we're focusing upon the great teacher, Abu Hurairah. Are there any questions? Subhanallah <laughs>